0: Did you ever question God's goodness? And it's so easy, man, to say God is good when everything is going great, when there's money in the bank, when you and the fam is healthy, uh, when, when the bills are paid, it's easy to say God is good. But what about during those moments of suffering in your life? It's not so easy then. One of the major pushbacks that Christianity faces is the very fact that there is suffering, not just in the world, But in your world, after all, how can you say that there's a good and benevolent God when you're going through a toxic divorce or when you've given your entire life to a job and to some work and uh, you go in one day just to find out that you've been laid off or when you've been battling with this depression and this anxiety and it just doesn't go away. And everybody else seems to be living a happy-go-lucky life, but you're rolled up in the corner drowning in tears. Or when you've lost that, that one person that you really care about, that one person that you really love, you've lost them. It's not so easy to say God is good. Or how can you say that there's a God when there's suffering in the world like, like all the little children that are going to bed hungry that are starving all over the world. Or when you hear about all the wars that are going on around the world where innocent people are being blown to bits. Don't get me started on this pandemic, Right? All the loneliness, right? all the isolation, all the social anxiety that we've experienced because of this disease. How can you say that there is a good God when we've all experienced this impact economically? You know, this very same question has been asked historically throughout history uh, through many different people in many different ways. Epicurus was a Greek philosopher and he said and asked similar questions and spoke similar words several hundred years before the birth of Christ, even. And he's quoted as saying this Is God willing to prevent evil but not able? Then he's not omnipotent. Is he able but not willing? Then he's malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Then whence cometh evil? Is he neither able nor willing? then why call him God? In other words, he's saying if God is all-knowing and if he's all-loving and if he's all-powerful, then why does suffering exist? Why do bad things happen to good people? How could a good, loving, benevolent God allow suffering to exist? Then he must not exist or he's evil himself. What if I told you that that very same question has been posed multiple times all throughout the scriptures. Would you be surprised to know that? You know, you shouldn't be because evil and suffering isn't contrary to the story of the Bible. It's actually central to the biblical narrative. It's all over the Bible, pain, evil, and suffering. The book of Psalms is a collection of poems and songs that bear very real and weighty and raw emotions and expressions. In one psalmist, his name was Asaph, he said this, check this out. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. Did you ever feel like the psalmist here? Like, geez, man, God, how how can you allow these wicked people to live such blessed and prosperous lives? I'm out here trying my best. I'm doing the best that I can. I'm trying to follow you and obey you. And what do I get, God? I get nothing. I get suffering. I get pain. Did you ever feel like that? If not... Honestly, even if if your faith is like rock solid, like a rock, the truth of the matter is that the people in your lives, the people that are around you, your, your neighbors, your friends, your family members are probably asking this question. And that question is probably rocking them to the core. It might be causing your friends, your family, and your neighbors to question their faith or to question God's existence at all. But here's what I want to try to do today. Here's how we're going to attempt to answer that question. Because the truth is Christianity makes sense of, gives meaning to, and offers a solution for the evil and suffering that we experience. Guys, Christianity doesn't shy away from suffering. It doesn't cover it up. It doesn't pretend like suffering doesn't exist. I know that perhaps you heard that preacher on TV with the slick hair and the Rolex on his wrist tell you that God wants you to live a blessed life and that he doesn't want you stressed. But the truth is that Christianity doesn't shy away from suffering. Only in Christianity can we make sense of, give meaning to, or offer a solution to the problem of suffering. So we're going to attempt to answer this question. And I realize that this question is incredibly complex. This topic of suffering, we could probably devote a whole series to this topic alone. And I also want to deal with this quite gently and quite sensitively because I know and I understand that that perhaps you may be experiencing some suffering right now. Maybe you're going through a season of pain and suffering, and I'm not trying to explain away or rationalize the very real pain that you may be experiencing at the moment. So where do we begin? If God is good, why does He permit suffering? Well, we begin with this truth right here. This is number one that we live in a sin-ridden world. You know, I mentioned this on Christmas Eve for those of you that tuned in or were able to re-watch the message. In the beginning from the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, when we read the creation account and we read that everything that God created was good. Everything He created was good. It was as close to perfection and harmony this side of heaven could ever be. That was until man sinned against God. And from that moment forward, because of sin, in comes pain, in comes anguish, in comes shame and guilt and suffering. All that entered into the world from that moment on, we experienced brokenness. The reason we have this huge battle within ourselves and the reason that we even ask ourselves this question, why we even bring this question up is because something within us tells us that it shouldn't be this way that things should not be this way, that the world shouldn't be this way, that the level of pain and suffering, suffering that we experience and endure shouldn't be this way. And what that is, is the longing within us to return to Eden. It's a desire, it's a longing to return to the Garden of Eden. All of creation longs to return to God's original design. We all long for a world that is rid of sin. We long for perfection, we long for beauty, We essentially long for God, whether or not you admit your need for him. This is a longing that we all have. And Paul in the New Testament, he describes it as childbirth. Look how he says it in Romans chapter 8. For we know that all creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. And we believers, we also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he's promised us. You know, I was present at the birth of all three of my kids. And when you hold your baby, man, it is such a gift. When you hold their tiny bodies in your hands, it is overwhelming in the best sort of way. You have all these hopes and dreams and aspirations and expectations for this kid that you hold, and it's beautiful. But the process of birthing the baby, that's another story. That is a painful experience. That's a messy experience. There's tears, there's anxiety and fear, There's groaning and the grinding of teeth. There's pain. And that's exactly what Paul is describing that what what all creation is feeling right now. There's supposed to be this beautiful baby, but all we see right now, all the world sees is blood, sweat, and tears. The blood, sweat, and tears of childbirth. He describes this eager hope. Can you guys relate to that? To that waiting for eager hope? It's like, man, like God... When will all this be over, God? When is this going to come to an end? When when is the suffering going to stop? God, come quick, please, and restore us from this wretchedness. Guys, we're, we're surrounded by pain and suffering. We're plagued by it. The unfortunate reality is that what we experience is not God's original design. It's not what He intended. It's the consequences of sin. And listen, not just the sins of everybody else, not just the sins of the rest of the world, it's your sin, it's my sin. And it's not lack of God, it's a lack of goodness and the consequence of sin. Well, one of the ways that this question of of suffering is worded is why do bad things happen to good people? What we need to understand is number two, a bad thing happened to a good person once. What's consistent in the narrative of Scripture is that when compared to a perfect and holy God, we always fall incredibly short. What Scripture teaches us is that we are inherently wicked, evil, and sinful. And that wickedness doesn't just deserve a time-out chair. It doesn't just deserve a slap on the wrist. It deserves God's wrath and judgment. That's in the Scriptures it says that no one is good. There's not an inkling of good in anyone that we've all chosen to rebel against God. But one person was truly good. One person was truly perfect and sinless. And he volunteered to suffer. He volunteered to endure pain in our behalf. We just came out of the Christmas season. And this is when we learned about the humility of God to enter his own creation. This is when we remember and celebrate Jesus. But get this, Jesus born into poverty. And understand this, Jesus was rejected by his own family. Jesus was abandoned by his friends when he needed them the most. and He's falsely accused. And We read this in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, a prophecy of Jesus way before he was born. It says this, that he was despised and rejected a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Jesus was wrongly placed on trial. And he at this trial, he is beaten and he's tortured and he's humiliated. And then he's shamefully hung on a Roman cross on display for all to see. He, the beating that he endured was so gruesome And and his wounds were so severe that he was beaten beyond recognition. He was unrecognizable. On the cross with nail-pierced hands, he that knew no sin became sin. And his shoulders bore the weight of God's judgment and wrath. And to top it off, God not bearing to look upon Jesus and the sin that was upon him, God looks away causing Jesus to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus came and suffered with us. He knows and he absolutely understands and experience and endures suffering. Why does God allow suffering? You know, guys, perhaps we might never have a fully satisfactory answer to that question. But what I do know and what I'm a thousand percent sure of is that it's not because God doesn't love you or because He isn't loving. We know this because of the extent that He would go on to demonstrate His love through the sacrifice of Jesus. Why would God allow Jesus to suffer? Why would God in flesh endure such suffering? Maybe it's because He knew that something better was coming. Maybe. It's because something better was available. Number three, because one day there will be no more suffering. As Christians, we have an eternal perspective. Things are bad, no doubt. Suffering happens and is happening and perhaps is happening in your life right now. But we know and we understand that this is not our final resting ground. This is not where it all ends. There is something beyond our current reality. And this is why we have and why we can have hope. It's a hope that people cannot experience outside of Christ. Otherwise, what's your other options? Think about it. Reincarnation. If you live the good life, maybe you can come back as a puppy to a loving home. If you live the bad life then you reincarnate and come back as a fly and sniff through poop all the days of your life. Or if you're atheistic in your belief, then what is there? There's nothingness in your future because we come from nothing and we go to nothing. So what what is there, just a void? You mean to tell me that you suffer and you toil and you cry, you weep, you hurt, you experience all this pain and grief and at the end of it all, there's just nothing? You live a miserable life and then die? How depressing. But as followers of Christ, we have hope. We have hope that the God of the universe can and will restore all things to his original design. That what the enemy attempted to destroy, God will restore. This is the hope that we have. Look at the end of the book. The book of Revelations chapter 21 says this. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. And all these things... Are gone forever. I don't know about you guys, but I long for the day when there will be no more tears, will there be no more pain, will there be no more sickness or pandemics. And as Christians, we have an eternal outlook, and we also have a hope that we can hold on to. This is something, there is something on the other side of our suffering. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is the hope that I would love for you to experience. This longing within you is there because we were meant to live in harmony with God. And this hope to be be able to experience this one day can only be found in Christ. This is the hope that I encourage you to experience today in the middle of your suffering. The hope that Jesus lived the perfect and sinless life, that he died in our place, and that he conquered the grave so that one day, We can be away from this pain and suffering and be in the presence of God forever where there'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. This is the hope I want for you to have. Do you want it? You can experience it by putting your faith in Jesus. Let's pray. God, I want to pray for those right now in this moment that are experiencing suffering, Lord, those that are experiencing pain, those that are experiencing grief, those that are experiencing isolation, I pray, God, that you might bring comfort to them. Lord, that you might bring healing and that in the middle of this difficulty, you may build their faith. Thank you, Jesus, for enduring suffering and for doing so, Lord, for my sin, for me, so that I can be forgiven, so that we can be forgiven. Lord, I pray that you would help us to remain hopeful for that day when all things will be restored, and when you will wipe away all our tears and you will relieve us of our pain and suffering. We long for that day, Jesus. We pray that you might come. In Jesus' name, amen.